fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile And we are live Wolfpack with a fantastic guest today. We brought in for the second time, and I'm thrilled to say it, Pro Football Focus's Scott Barrett. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. Uh, thrilled to have you back, man. And anybody who has not somehow seen this article yet, the 96 stats on pro football focus that fantasy owners need to know was one of the best pieces I've ever read. Definitely the piece of the year, in my opinion, so far. So, Scott, thanks for all that knowledge. And any listeners that have somehow not seen that yet, make sure you go check it out. Yeah, th- thank you, man. Th- thanks a lot. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll just get right into it, though. I know you're a, a busy man on the fantasy market, so uh, we'll get right into just the quick general intro. So if there's one or two listeners, maybe my mom or, or sister, who don't know who Scott Barrett is right now, what's your fantasy story, and, and when and how did you kind of get involved in this industry? Yeah, I uh, I remember reading, I think it was like a Brad Evans article and on Yahoo in high school. I was like setting my you know, doing my start sit at lunch in the the library, reading you know a Brad Evans article where he's talking about you know Brandon Jacobs, his man crush or whatever, and talking about his job. And I was like, that is the coolest job ever. If I could just get paid to sit at home in my boxers and write about fantasy football, that would be the best thing in the world for for me. And then uh, in college, you know, I I. Uh, wrote an article, a baseball article, a fantasy baseball article, why I thought R.A. Dickey was going to win the Cy Young, like really early in the year. And then he won the Cy Young. It was like a half serious article. And I just like lucked into it. And then I started writing, use that piece to, to get hired at number fire, wrote for free, and then uh, segued to football and then got a job part time at Pro Football Focus. And then just you know, one year randomly exploded and, and got a full-time job offer from PFF. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I didn't even realize your origins were in baseball, too. That's a, a nice little nugget there. But is football kind of, would you consider football your favorite of the sports, or are you still a baseball guy at heart? Yeah, I think at the time, baseball was my favorite. And uh, now football is, like, far and away my favorite. I don't care about any sports except maybe a little UFC. And it was such a smart move, too, because, like, like the – analytics geniuses at baseball in baseball are just like so over my head Uh, and you know football we're still kind of up and coming with uh with analytics and things like that absolutely uh and it's it works in perfectly that it's becoming that big focus of everything um and so just in general though we we try to invite the wolves we call it the segment's called the fantasy wolves and we look for the people that kind of stand out in the industry have their own approach or just in general aren't just following the con the the consensus rankings what are it's a a certain stat or approach how do you kind of consider yourself a wolf what gives you that fantasy edge in your opinion uh, definitely check out my expected fantasy points article, and, and that also comes out every single week. That gives me a massive edge in DFS. Um, my Friday article 
on DFS. You know, I just had one subscriber who, you know, credited that article with victories of, you know, $100,000, $50,000, $25,000, $30,000 multiple weeks. So you just crushed. Uh, and really, I do think that is my biggest edge in DFS. And then uh, in redraft leagues this year, I'm, I'm very bell cower bust as I have been in, in recent years. Uh, you know, I don't want Marlon Mack. I don't want Derrick Henry. Those guys don't catch targets. They're going to be highly volatile on a week-to-week basis. They have a lower floor. They have a lower ceiling. Chris Carson, he's an exception. You know, his ADP is attractive enough where I know for sure he's going to be uh, RBBC, but ADP attractive enough. But typically, you know, for the most part, go after those bell cows uh, and fade the, the committee backs. Dude, I'm so I'm so with you on that. I'm a notorious bell cow breeder. Sometimes I'll go running back, running back, running back in leagues, and everyone will laugh at me, and I'll laugh when my flex is like a 25 touch guy every week. Uh, I so know I'm that. Full, I'm, I fully endorse it. I'm, I'm right with you on that mm-hmm. one, and I, I'm actually a huge Carson fan too. That you said him, I'm sure we'll talk about him later, especially because he might be catching some passes this year. As all, mm-hmm. all the rumblings these days, so that's fantastic. This is kind of off the the record, but just has there been a prediction or like a expected point guy that you pointed out just a crazy one out of nowhere that you hit and you're like that's my prediction I'm most proud of just pulling somebody completely out of nowhere and nailing a prediction like that uh I think I think the best prediction I ever had was I called Kareem Hunt a league winner in an article I said listen Mm -hmm. this guy is is going to be a fantasy league winner uh and that was well before the Spencer Ware injury Mm -hmm. when he had an ADP and like the the double digit rounds uh, Christian McCaffrey was the guy I was highest on last year. Mm-hmm. Also wrote up James Conner a bunch. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, rem- I actually remember that's kind of how I got put onto you, which is funny that you're saying that on the podcast was that Kareem Hunt line. And you had something mm. about how Andy Reid's bell cows have averaged like 19.8 or something touches. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy right. gets it. I've always been looking for the the stat about how great they are. I've always known he loves feeding them. And I, I just knew you got it. And from there, I was like, I was Scott Barrett disciples. So I, I, that's funny that you mentioned that one. Um, but let's kind of get into the guys we agree upon. That's the, the second part of this segment. Um, guys that were higher on than the, the regular uh, industry, the ECR. And the first name I have on this list is Tyler Lockett. Uh, we both would take him at least a full round, if not higher than his average draft position right now. What has you so high on Tyler Lockett? Yeah, so... I just got trashed on on Twitter for for apparently being an anti-regression guy, which like isn't really true. But uh, so I had this article where I talked about how Tyler Lockett just had arguably the most efficient season mm-hmm. by a wide receiver ever, not just fantasy, but in terms of you know yards per target, wide receiver rating, fantasy points per target, like arguably the greatest season ever. Yeah. Uh, where does he decline? He's going to regress. How does he regress? What numbers should we predict? I said probably, you know, based on histor- a historical sample, it should be 39%, let's say. Mm. But we know Russell Wilson's slot wide receiver one, his, his wide receiver one, uh, is, is almost always one of the most efficient wide receivers in the league. So you have to factor that in. And, sh- okay, he's due for an efficiency regression. But he should theoretically see an uptick in volume. Maybe it's yeah. not going to be a massive volume because Doug Baldwin never saw massive volume, but Doug Baldwin's no longer there. So even if it's just Doug Baldwin volume, he should see enough volume to you know uh, make that uh, efficiency regression 
uh, not as significant. Absolutely. And he's good. So yeah. basically just add all that in together and he should not be going where he's going. And he is legitimate low end wide receiver one upside at a, what is it? Late, late wide receiver two price tag. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm fully with you. Uh, and, and again, that 96 stat article you have, I remember reading them and I had already seen some efficiency metrics, but then when you add in pro football focuses, ratings and all that too, it's just insane what this guy did on such few targets. They have to go up 57th in targets last year. There's no way they don't go up in, in 2019 with Doug Baldwin gone. And I saw a, a report I really liked that's kind of going under the radar for whatever reason was one of their beat writers said, you know, in 11 years of covering this team, I've never seen the Seahawks ever make this concerted of an effort to get a guy the ball in different ways he's going in the back oh, wow. he's moving into the slot he's moving all over the place and they've just been you know peppering him so if obviously the regression will happen in efficiency if he gets that much volume but you got to think those things balance if not you know flip the other way with the volume increase so yeah that when I read that report I was I was already all in but then the fact that they are actually like genuinely making that effort makes me all the more excited plus the defense has to be worse this year right they, they've lost tons of pieces they become a little more passive happy uh what was the stat you had one on russell wilson about how like is it the best ever points per drop back or something like that i forget it's exactly just, what the stat was since entering the league yeah. uh he he ranks like first in fantasy points per drop back mm-hmm. but he ranks like fifth in fantasy points per game if he was just average in drop backs per game instead of like dead last he'd he'd rank first in fantasy points per game by a, a significant margin Unbelievable. Just volume so, and, and yeah. pace in Seattle is so bad. Also, I got to bump up Tyler Lockett even more now. You got to send me that link. I got to figure out where I saw that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll find the uh, the tweet. I have it in an article somewhere, so I'll make sure to send you that. I was thrilled to I read that report. That. Um, absolutely. And then, yes, I mean, if the defense does take a hit, even if Schottenheimer is so committed to the run, as he keeps talking about, you mm. can only be committed to the run so often. And I, I love the, the air raid offense coming in Arizona, so maybe that becomes more of a shootout-style game, whereas they were only putting up 14 points per game. I wouldn't be shocked to see that double this year if uh, you know Kingsbury's offense clicks like I think it will. So that division I see becoming a little more shootouty. I don't know. I'm just in the Seahawks passing game, and I love Carson too. But Tyler Lockett being the engine of that, I'm, I'm with you. He's definitely one of my uh, highest rated guys. Another one I've I've been citing a ton of your stats on, and I want to kind of get you live talking about this guy's Austin Eckler. Uh, so you clock in at 65 overall in your latest rankings that I checked, and I'm right there. I have him at 66. So we're both right around 30 spots or so higher than the ECR. And of course, Melvin Gordon's holdouts. Uh, a huge factor in that and that will play a role in how valuable he ends up being but even with you know with or without him what makes you love Eckler so much yeah so even if Melvin Gordon plays I think he has you know some fantasy upside uh mm-hmm. where you know he could at least be a you know a bi-week fill-in for you or, or something along those lines uh and then if Melvin Gordon misses time I I think Eckler should be the guy I know you talked to someone recently who disagreed yeah Mr. Adam, Adam Schefter himself yeah no he had him <laughs> on the pod and he said he uh he expects Justin Jackson to take those big back carries more so than Eckler would but you're, you're still on the Eckler train yeah I mean I, I don't feel comfortable going against Adam Schefter who I, I think is a little <laughs> more plugged in than I am but it's just like he was amazing last year, better than Melvin Gordon by like pretty much any stat you want to look at. And there's a lot of good stats to look at. PFF grade, yards after contact per attempt, yards per carry, yards per target, et cetera, missed tackles forced, et cetera. Mm. Uh, so he's really, really good. The only 
times he wasn't good were when Gordon was out, he, you know, had the bell cow workload and he disappointed. I mean, I, it was 2.5 games. The, the game he left early due to injury, he was actually playing well in the other two games. It was like a little, it was not as good. It was below average. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a, a small sample to, you know, walk away with saying this guy can't have that role. But I mean, even if it's a running back by committee situation with Justin Jackson, uh, at ADP, he's still like, it's just worth that gamble. Um, mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the, even if Melvin Gordon plays, you know, like he, he, taking him where I have him isn't too much higher than where he should go. And then the upside is obviously a lot more attractive, but, uh, did Schefter, you know, go hashtag sources on that? Or was that just, that that was kind of more of his gut call. He said, you know, the team has talked about being very impressed with Justin Jackson and, and what he's shown in early camp. And he just felt that Eckler was more served for the uh, change of pace role. I think it was more personal opinion and just like hearing some nice words about Justin Jackson kind of led him to that conclusion. He never said anyone definitively told him, Hey, it's Justin Jackson's job or anything like that. And you look at the, the preseason too. I mean, 16 snaps with the starters, 12 of them ended up going, to Eckler the first two goal line carries go to Eckler he fumbled it sure which obviously sucks but and, yeah. and then Justin Jackson just looked like a bully on his touchdown run just bowling people over so uh, who knows who would actually get that volume but a 75% to 25% in their early debuts leads me to believe Eckler would be more of that workhorse role than a lot of people are going to give him credit for he had 17 18 17 touches in those two games or those three games without Gordon last year too and does it work I know you kind of cited the fact that he he wasn't great in the workhorse role other than, you know, that one game he had 16 and a, and a half fantasy points. Does that worry you at all? Or do you think that was just, you know, a matter of good defenses or he was a little dinged up or what do you think? Uh, yeah. So I, I, I think like it's a, something to factor in, but I mm. also think that, you know, based on, you know, public sentiment, it's something we're overweighting and like mm-hmm. overreacting to a small sample size. Uh, I, yeah, Justin Jackson's promising for sure, but at the same time, like he's not—I don't think he's half the receiver Eckler is. I no. think I think Eckler is gonna get that that work guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like I was down on Melvin Gordon before, you know, I even thought the holdout was possible, just because like even after he returned from his injury and he was supposedly fully healthy, you know, we saw much more of an RBBC situation mm-hmm. uh, than what we saw at the, the first half of the season. And why wouldn't you go that route when yeah. Melvin Gordon's had the injury history he's had? Absolutely. No, I'm with you there. Uh, and so we'll go to tight ends for a little bit here because we, we agree on a few breakout tight ends and we're, we're lower on David Njoku as a whole and think two, two other guys uh, are much better, which the industry does not agree on. And that's Vance McDonald and Mark Andrews. Vance McDonald's right up there with Njoku, kind of neck and neck in rankings, but Mark Andrews is generally ranked a lot lower. I have both guys higher than Njoku as well, just like you. What do you love about both those two? Yeah, so McDonald. I like for similar reasons to Andrews, but have one big uh, with Andrews. There's a big concern that's not there for McDonald. And that's yeah. usage. So mm-hmm. uh, McDonald ranked 10th in fantasy points last year, despite just you know ranking 17th in target share, playing on only 50% of the snaps. 
but he ranked fourth best in yards after the catch per reception, third best in yards after contact per reception, second in missed tackles force per reception. Essentially, he was a beast with the ball in his hands, and now the reports are he's going to be an every-down player for us this year. He's going to be a, uh, a massive target hog this year. Where Andrews, you have similarly impressive efficiency. As a rookie, he ranked sixth best, uh, fifth best in yards per route run last year, sixth best in PFF grade. He made up 26% of Lamar Jackson's yardage on just 12% of his throws. Amazing rapport, chemistry, reports at a camp are this guy's incredible, maybe the best receiver on the team. Concern with him is maybe Baltimore just, you know, unfortunately doesn't use him like the Eagles have used Ertz the past few years, just have him play every down, line him up in the slot. The the concern is he gets used like Vance McDonald was used last year, splitting time with Jesse James, in which case, you know, he's probably still an ADP value, honestly. It's just, you know, chances of being that, you know, top seven breakout player, uh, it's a little tougher for him to do that. Yeah, really come down to how often does Greg Roman use those two tight end sets, which he's you know well above the the league average on that. It's such a run heavy pass, so maybe you saw you know Vernon Davis have thirteen touchdowns under this guy. The tight end has historically been more of the focal point of the receiving game under uh, Greg Roman, so there's a little bit of hope there. But you're right, Hayden Hurst is other you know Nick Boyle. They're saying is locked into a starting role because of his blocking mm-hmm. in such a run heavy scheme, so that usage could waver with McDonald. Uh, I'm gonna actually bring up a stat you had on another guy but I think that's what led to this guy's breakout last year and if McDonald sees that uptick could again so you talk about how great he is after the catch and breaking tackles well you had the stats on Kittle uh this year you know obviously the one of the league winners of last season and I think almost all of that was because he's so great after the catch uh, it says here he set an NFL record with 873 yards after the catch 9.9 yards after the catch per reception so that was what led to this guy being such a monster he finally got some volume to go with those yak skills. If McDonald, maybe not Kittle's level, but we've seen the stiff arms, we've seen the athleticism. If he sees a similar bump, probably won't lead the team in targets like Kittle did, but even just a little bit could propel him to, to jump into that tier. So I'm with you. Uh, I, I love the skill set. I love the 250 or whatever the vacated targets are there with Antonio Brown and Jesse James leaving. And now if he becomes that every down player, they're saying he's going to be all the beat writers saying in practice. You mean, who's that number two receiver going to be? Is it going to be McDonald? Is it going to actually be Moncrief or Washington? I like those guys, but I'm with you, man. I, I think there's a lot so of So I don't there. even like those guys. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so like Moncrief has always just like been meh, like yeah. compared to volume is always underwhelmed. James Washington is actually PFF's worst graded wide receiver last year. Mm. Uh, I like Deontay Johnson, but yeah, I think there's a legitimate chance that Vance, you know, is the number two guy or, or at least very close to it in this offense next year. Yeah, I'm hoping so. And then and Andrews, too, as you cited, the, the practice reports. I love the athletic. I think their beat coverage has become my, my go-to mm-hmm. source. Uh, and I've been reading the Raven reports, and every single time, it's without fail, Mark Andrews, most impressive player on the field. Mark Andrews is leaner and faster and playing with more swagger this year. Mark Andrews is light years ahead. Every single time, they figure out a way to work his name in. I don't know if he's paying the writers or what, but it sounds like he is the guy this year uh, in that passing game. 
game. And, and similar to that, like who else is there to take away targets in that, that passing game? Even if it's a low volume, as we call him, aerial pie there, there's really not that many mouths to feed. You know, Miles Boykin impressing, but Marquise Brown, who knows what he's going to do? He looks like a friggin' like sixth grader, man. Marquise Brown's like 160 pounds soaking wet. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see about all those guys. It seems to me there's a very clear path to that guy leading the team in targets too. So I'm with you there. Both guys, very intriguing. And is that kind of why, that conversely, you're down a little bit on Najoku, just not as clear of a, a target share with so many other mouths around him? Or what has you a little bit lower than the regular uh, industry on him? Yeah, I just I was never an Njoku guy. He's never done anything to make me doubt whether or not I, I should be an Njoku guy. Uh, and, you know, it, the three wide receivers on this team are the ones mm-hmm. who are, you know, drawing all rave reviews in camp, whereas, like, the only words out on Njoku I've seen it, has just been Dorsey saying, yeah, we need to see a little bit more from this guy. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, just just not on him. I'm I'm with you too. He just I I and part of it is I don't know if you're ever this way with players, but I had him last year and uh, like it was one of those guys where whenever I decided to throw him in, he'd get the the dreaded zero target, zero reception day, and it just absolutely blew. So like I have that personal hatred for him. So I don't know if I should. You, you gotta try to move past it and get over it, but ultimately I just will never. I have that spite in my heart for Najoku. I'll, I'll never go back to him in my opinion. Um, do you have any players like that where you're like they just burnt you so many times, no matter how many factors point to him you're like fuck that guy i'll never draft him uh rich harden was was my guy for that but he he's a baseball player and gotcha. like a 12 years ago but uh i'm sure i can think of some better examples but but maybe not right now yeah i gotcha um so we're gonna move on now so those are the guys we agree on that we're either higher or lower on together with but we got a few that there's some discrepancies between my rankings versus yours and i want to kind of get your take on them and see see what you think uh so one guy i like is jared goff he's my quarterback nine uh, i have him uh he's right around kind of where the experts are and you're seem to be a little bit lower than the industry on golf qb 17 and for comparison's sakes you have lamar jackson all the way up at 12 whereas i kind of flip that and he's like my qb 19 or so so i'm, I'm much higher on golf and lower on jackson than you what's your kind of case for those guys yeah so i i really don't have a good argument for being against golf it's just you know mm-hmm. spent a lot of time with my rankings and then you know, I, I feel good about it when I look at it, but it's I, I get the the stats arguments. You know, uh, based on you know production with McVay, he's he's worth being up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, factor in the full health of the three wide receivers, and you know, his whatever points per game ranks easily QB one. Um, there's all that stuff. I, I get it. I, I've just never been a Goff guy. I, mm-hmm. I think the league probably, you know, figures out that offense a little bit better next year. Um, you know, he's he's highly volatile, not very consistent. Uh, I do think that's still going to be a run-first team in spite of Todd Gurley's arthritic knees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson is just like Konami code to the max. Yeah. He, he led all – quarterback or he he set the pff record in fantasy points for drop back last year all he needs to see is a little bit more volume you know you're talking about roman's history well he coached tyrod taylor to uh, uh qb6 and qb7 fantasy point per game seasons 
Jackson I like more as both a passer and a runner. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, he had a QB1 season under Roman. Um, like the offense they've built, um, and it's just it's just rushing. It's just so much more valuable than, than passing to a fantasy quarterback to the point where I don't care how bad he is as a passer this year. Just, you know, get get those, you know, rushing attempts in. Yeah, there's tons of stats to support that too. I forget the exact percentage. I know uh, Ian Hartz though he he shared a stat with us. It was something along the lines of like out of X quarterbacks to have 200 or more rush attempts or whatever. It might have even been a lower number than that. Like 80% of them were top 12 quarterbacks. So it is a tough argument to go against. But of the like three quarterbacks who didn't finish in it, two of them were actually Kaepernick, who everyone has these grand ideas that he was this like unbelievable star because he had that breakout type of season because it was something we've never seen. But he ultimately, especially in his full season of starting under Roman, just didn't seem to light it on fire. And they have always are so low in pass attempts. And this is more, not a knock, the value of rushing quarterbacks can't be knocked, but the league has continues to trend to this. You know, now the air raid's starting to come in the league and pass heavy and pass heavier and pass heavier. I think we're going to see a little bit of a gap uh, start to diminish between how valuable those rushing starts are because the passing game continues to get so inflated. And that's what I see with Goff is maybe they do figure it out in year three and it, it slows down. But then there's the, the case for, well, now he has con- continuity with these receivers for a whole offseason. And now he's got his third season in the system. And a lot of reports are this guy's owning the system more and kind of putting his own wrinkles into it and feels more comfortable changing plays up without McVay. And I don't know, that's what has me a little more excited on him is it could regress and people have the film and they could, or it could just take that next step. And a guy we both love that's been added to that offense is Daryl Henderson and what he could bring in the screen game. I mean, think about what Kamara does for, for Drew Brees, the amount of, you know, 70 yard screen touchdowns you see. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Henderson bring that element too. So that that's what I just, when you take out that passing point source and I, to me, Lamar Jackson just, I watched him last year and he just, it looks like he's he can't throw a ball sometimes. I, I don't know. That makes me nervous. Do you think he progresses at all as a passer, or you just like I, it still doesn't even matter to me? Uh, it's just I feel good about where I have him. You know, I, yeah. I just don't see massive upside. Like Jackson could easily be you know a top three fantasy quarterback. I think. Mm. Uh, and without even being efficient as a passer, really? it's just yeah. with Goff, I just don't see the. Uh, it's just hard to see an avenue to to get there for me, but you know maybe I'll be wrong. Like I said, you know, like just look at the data, and you know where I have him is is way below you know where he's typically finished. Absolutely. Uh, and so moving on from quarterbacks, we'll go to the the running back position, and a guy I love, um, and I wonder if maybe the preseason will change on this guy a little bit after, especially last week looked great. I wonder how he's going to look in future weeks. That's rookie David Montgomery. I have him uh, 28 overall, so I'm really bullish on him. That's 25 spots higher than his expert consensus ranking. You have him might right more in tune. Uh, I think you're at around 60 or so if I have it written down correctly, which is right around where he gets drafted. You have him even below, you know, mile, definitely below Jacobs, and that's kind of a debate I see, but also below Miles Sanders. Do you kind of still feel you take uh, Miles Sanders and Jacobs over Montgomery? Are you having any type of change of tune, or, or what has you a little bit lower on him? Yeah, so Montgomery was my RB1 pre-draft. Mm-hmm. He was my... Uh, I had him like in the third or fourth round or something, like right after the draft. Uh, 
what changed is beat writers just continually talking up Mike Davis. Uh, what I'm just waiting to see here is preseason usage. I, I do this every year. I track uh, snap share with the first team offense. I want to see how they're planning on using this guy based on the decision to acquire him. You, he could be a bell cow because they sent Jordan Howard off for what a sixth round pick. Yeah. And then they gave up a third round pick, a fourth round pick. They fell 55 spots on day three to acquire this guy. Mm-hmm. Why else would you do that? Why would you say he's this much more valuable than Jordan Howard if you're not going to use him as a bell cow? Uh, and I love him. I love him as a talent. You know, mm-hmm. arguably PFF's greatest college runner in terms of missed tackles and missed tackles forced. Uh, I just worry he's going to get s- stuck in that Jordan Howard role. And that Jordan Howard role is not going to be as valuable this year. You know, that Chicago got really lucky with uh, turnovers, uh, their point differential, you just massive blowouts. That's going to decline. Uh, but I believe in, in him as a, a runner, a pass catcher, a pass blocker. He should be the bell cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want a little more evidence that that's going to be the case. You know, Sanders feels a little bit safer right now. But honestly, that might be a mistake having Sanders ahead of him. Yeah, I think everything you cited is my whole case for him. So it's good that we're on the talent page here with him because I I agree with you. Uh, Everything he does as a three-down horse is why I think he'll actually buck that kind of Howard role trend. Uh, Matt Nagy and and the owner and everybody, there's been multiple people making comments how that offense is at its best when it's unpredictable and they want a true three-down threat in order to be that way. And I think Montgomery defines that, whereas Howard... His receiving just, he was the, the definition of a predictable two down plotter. There was a great stat. It might have been from you. I, I forget exactly who I saw it from, but it was, uh, they ran the ball over 60% of the time when Howard was in and then threw it over 60% of the time when Cohen was. So mm-hmm. it was, both of those led the league. So they were the definition of predictable with their backfield last year. And I really think Montgomery gives them that upside to not be. Davis does bring that similar three down skill set. And they've talked about, they've also cited him in those. But I, I just think through preseason play, and through camp, I, I just believe Montgomery is a next-level talent compared to Davis, who's solid and a great handcuff and a, a good backup. But I think he does that goal of making them so much more unpredictable. He has all the, a lot of people compared him to Kareem Hunt coming out. And I thought one stat that you cited really kind of alluded that. They're both, you know, they're, one thing I actually noticed too, they, they were both coached by the same college coach. Um, running backs coach and they both that guy said yeah of course they're they're spot on they both have the great contact mm-hmm. balance the elusiveness and tight quarters so this guy who's seen them both as close as anybody thought it was true and then you had the stat that uh, the only college running back to ever force more than 100 missed tackles was Montgomery and he did it in back to back seasons so I mean you got mm-hmm. the stats to back up what the college coach is saying and and when you know Nagy had Kareem Hunt just two seasons ago he led the league in rushing as a rookie so I, all of those things are kind of aligning to me he Mike Davis did play over him in the preseason week one game but then you know Montgomery comes in the next drive 41 of 49 yards went to him he caps it off with a beautiful seven yard scamper has a great 21 yard screen just showed all those three down traits everything I see is just like top 10 offense top 10 line and a guy that should get you know if Howard had 250 carries you give him those plus another 30 40 receptions this guy's going to be a monster so that's one I thought you were a little low on it sounds like you love the talent you just need to see the role though uh so so i agree with literally everything you you said for sure yeah, yeah. i i wait and see on, on preseason usage mm-hmm. uh trubisky 
uh, played three snaps last week. Mike Davis was in on all three of those snaps. Uh, so I want to see what happens moving forward. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, a, a tilt more towards Montgomery's favor, and it should be or at least more word out of camp. But yeah, love the player, love the theoretical role that that should happen. Just need rational coaching, and you know, <laughs> I, I believe in I believe in that. So we'll see. And one guy to to point out there too, where it's like I. I believed in the talent and I was questioning his usage until I read some of your reports last year was Christian McCaffrey. I always loved the talent, but I was nervous CJ Anderson might force a committee. He was kind of the better Jonathan Stewart. Uh, But then as you saw the preseason, you know, first team, it was 16 snaps out of 16 were McCaffrey. And then obviously that translated the year where he played like, what, 97 or something like that snaps, percent of the snaps was insanity. So, you know, it, it, everyone that says preseason doesn't matter. It seems like Montgomery might be that guy potentially for you. If you see those usage trends go the right way when you believed in the talent, it's pretty easy to flip those guys in your rankings. For sure. Yeah. Um, one guy, uh, I... I I do like the talent, but he's always injured, and that's Sammy Watkins. You have him at wide receiver 22 and 51 overall, so you like this guy a lot. Uh, the experts are a little bit lower as a whole, and I'm, I'm way lower on Watkins. I think I have him, what, wide receiver 39, 94, it looks like. Uh, so I, I'm not a fan, especially in fantasy-wise, and a guy that, you know, if I was going to flip him would be Christian Kirk, who I have right around my 50, 60 range, uh, but you have down in your 90s or so. So you're you're much higher on Watkins and much lower on Kirk, and I'm kind of flipped on both those guys. So what's kind of your case for Watkins and or what's your case against Kirk, I would say? Um, yeah, I might have uh, Watkins a little too high, but it's just uh, so when he played on over 20% of Kansas City's snaps last year, averaged 13.6 fantasy points per game, that would have ranked 25th best. Mm. His current ADP is wide receiver 36. Uh, he has a bad injury history, but he's also the wide receiver too on probably the most explosive and exciting passing offense in maybe NFL history. And it's just like as simple as that for me, Christian Kirk. Um, I was just never a Christian Kirk guy, Mm -hmm. uh, not coming out. Uh, I thought he was slot only. And because Larry Fitzgerald's the slot, um, you know, that's, that's not really a good spot for him. Luckily, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury in his offense, he has guys constantly moving in and out of the oh, slot. Yeah. That's good for him. But at the same time, uh, I know how much he loved Andy Isabella, who was a guy, you know, PFF was super high on. He brought in a bunch of rookies uh, for, for competition. Keyshawn Johnson has been, uh, you know, drawing rave reviews in camp. Larry Fitzgerald is old, but he's also immortal. So we'll see. We'll <laughs> see how true. many targets he gets. Yeah. I think it's just like a, a very spread the ball around offense. It's going to be a productive offense, but I'm not sure. Uh, you know, any of those guys are going to be have you know Watkins upside. Let's say. Yeah, my my hope with that air raid is I, I agree with you. There's so many weapons there. My hope is the volume, the pace of play, the the amount of plays a mm-hmm. game they have, and the, you know, the fact that their defense is probably going to be horrendous, and they're going to need to keep chucking it. So even if there's a lot of mouse to feed, I'm hoping there's enough pie there to feed at least two to three of these guys. And I'm hoping my guess is Kirk's the top one, just because you mentioned the versatility to play inside, outside, a lot of four receiver sets. He'll be able to move all over. They said he looks kind of the 
most comfortable after playing in a, a similar style scheme in college. So my hope is he is that number one. That's kind of why I rank him high. I have Larry Fitz pretty high too. I just I see this being kind of like that Rams turnaround where they were the the worst team in the league in scoring, and then they went all the way to first, and it was that Sean McVay effect. I could see Kingsbury having a similar effect where they go from 14 points a game to right around 30, which is uh, you know that's a bold prediction. It's big, but I wouldn't be shocked because of how new this offense is going to be, how fast they're going to play. I thought in you know preseason action, Murray just looked like he belonged. I wanted to see him just have that poise and calm, and just as he always has, he, he did, and I love Murray. So I, I think when they turn the, the heat up and put the pedal to the metal here, that offense is just going to fly down the field. I think Kirk will be a big part of it. Watkins, he is that number two wide receiver, but does that mean necessarily the number two target share? Probably not. I mean, obviously, and I know you love Travis Kelsey. You've been banging that drum, like has to be a first rounder. He's he's going to have the most targets, followed by Tyree Kill, and then the running backs under Andy Reid have always been such a high volume. So with Watkins, you're going to get those blow up games. He had some of them last year, but then you're going to get some of those just, you know, I got nothing. I got 1.5 out of him this week. And when you mix in the injury history, I'd rather have that shot at the number one guy in an offense I see ascending versus maybe the fourth on the totem pole of an injury prone guy. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's just, listen, I, I love the Arizona offense. I'm, I'm super high on Kyler mm-hmm. Murray. I'm super high on David Johnson. I probably higher than most on Larry Fitzgerald. I just don't trust that uh, Kirk is that, that number two guy. Mm-hmm. I think they just spread the ball around a lot, lot through the air. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, I'm not sure he outscores, like, let's say Isabella this year, but um, you know, I, well, that's that's a super hot take. He probably does, but still, it's just like I, I don't know where where the value in that is, and I, yeah. I don't see there's going to be a lot of consistency. But all righty. Um, so the the last one, I know we're starting to get a, a little high on time here, so I'm not even going to give a rebuttal on this one, but I don't have any takes to love these guys, and I want my listeners to at least be exposed to some positive content on people that I might have been you know, shitting on this entire offseason, and it's the two LSU guys, Fournette and Darius Geis. You have Fournette at 14 overall, Geis at 52. I don't know if that's changed at all, uh, but you, you clearly like both of these guys a lot more than I do, so what's your, what's your case for them? Yeah, I'll just say the the Geis ranking is is wrong. That's one of the ones I have to adjust. Okay. Uh, there two days ago, they said you know he's still not medically cleared. Mm-hmm. Like that is just that's just that's Another so bad. Yeah. But but the the upside for me was you know he's better than Adrian Peterson at the combine. Jay Gruden was talking about how this guy's really good at at catching the ball. We want him to. He doesn't have to come off the field on third downs. Uh, the injury just like yeah murdering him uh it really all came down to that target projection too because you know i don't think washington's gonna be good um so but yeah i'm i'm moving him down this is a guy who you're gonna take late and you know hope he gets fully healthy halfway through the season and gets you know a really good workload halfway through the season um, I, I would be shocked to see him get that like stretch run just dominates for the last four or five weeks and kind of 
rolls into next year as a third, second even rounder if he just shows really well. It, w- it wouldn't shock me because I'm with you. I believe in the talent, but I am just nervous you're going to be useless with this guy for the first seven or eight weeks. So I'm, I think that's a nice prediction, though. Like maybe mid-year this guy starts to turn around. If I was going to make an early buy-low list already before the season even starts, I can already see Darius Geis being like a, a week six buy-low at this point. What about Fournette, though? What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, so in 2017, uh, if you include the postseason, he ranked sixth in fantasy points per game, third in touches. Mm -hmm. So last year he ranked 12th in fantasy points per game, seventh in touches, a big fall off. Mm -hmm. Nope, not really. So he he left multiple games early due to injury. He was suspended halfway through another game. He played in just 26 of 32 quarters. So once you adjust for that, Fournette saw like very little drop off in usage or production, 18.5 fantasy points per game, 23.8 touches per four quarters, the second most. Um, And it's basically just like injury history is real and that's a concern. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, you know, they got rid of TJ Yeldon. They got rid of Carlos Hyde. They got rid of all of the competition. It's really just him. The, the coach and the, and the GM who are there are the ones who drafted him, who, who sunk that massive draft capital into him. Uh, they don't want to look like fools, so I think they're just going to keep giving him the rock. Um, and yeah, and, you know, touch, he's not efficient. I don't think he's very good, yeah. but with ru- the running back position, it's all volume, and I think he sees great volume. They've been hyping him up as a pass catcher. He's going to get all the goal line work, just needs to stay healthy. And the, the one case that you can also make for him, too, is he's one of those players, whenever I'm on him, he's going to suck and get hurt and get suspended. But then, you know, his rookie mm-hmm. year when he came in, I was off him and he blew up and was a monster his rookie season. So I'm off him, which means he's probably going to blow up this year. So Leonard Fournette, there's, there's a case for you. Uh, but we've made it to the no huddle. Do you got, you know, two, three more minutes to kind of wrap fire yep. through these? Awesome, dude. I really appreciate the time today. Um, so let's go through. If you feel like giving a take on any of them, you're welcome to. But this is more designed, you know, give me the name or round or reaction that comes right up uh, when I when I ask the question. So we'll start just with the, the right at the top of the draft. There's a consensus kind of top three. It's Barkley, Kamara, and, and C-Mac. Who would you take first out of them? And then who do you take at fourth right after those? Yeah, so so Barkley is my 101. Uh, and then fourth, I, I there's a consensus top three. I think there's a consensus top four, and that's David Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then it's a consensus top five if if Zeke comes back from his holdout. Yeah, exactly. I, and I love DJ, too. I love how high you are on him. Uh, but then the next one is, to Gurley or not to Gurley? Where do you stand on that one this year? Yeah, I'm going no Gurley. Like, I, I get the Mike Clay argument where it, it's like, based on ADP, uh, he only needs like to be 65% of what he was last year to smash that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beat writers are saying he's it's going to be, you know, just a 25% decline in usage, whatever to me, it's just, you know, injury risk is really high. You know, um, the draft drafted Henderson, who I love, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's going to see this decline in workload as a guarantee, but at the same time, he's also probably getting taken off the field and blowouts. And the Rams had a lot of blowouts last year where he scored fantasy points. Uh, you know, they could, you know, just completely axe his receiving game usage. It's, it's just that we don't really know. And that uncertainty just like really caps. We know he's going to see he's, he's going to have a way lower uh, upside this year. 
but also like the floor just like I don't know too many risks basically gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I'm avoiding him yeah all righty who's the the top scoring wide receiver will be dot 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 uh, Devontae Adams. With you there. The next tight end to join the fantasy elite will be dot, dot, dot. Um, I guess Mark Andrews. Uh, de- depends on the, the – like I think Jared Cook and Vance McDonald outscore him. Mm-hmm. Or, so like maybe big three is probably yeah, O.J. Howard joins. Okay. okay, yeah. Right, yeah. okay. I think Joe, O.J. Howard joins that. Hunter Henry could. You know, Angram mm. could on that volume. But probably O.J. Howard's the best bet. Gotcha. So everyone loves a good fantasy bargain uh, and the bragging rights that you gain with it. By position, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. Just shout out your, your biggest bargains in the fantasy positions. Uh, quarterback is, is Lamar and Dak. Mm-hmm. Uh, running back is probably, um, I guess Chris Carson's one of those guys. Darwin Thompson has been a guy I like really late. Um, wide receiver, Geronimo Allison, Golden Tate, AJ Green are some of those guys. Um, oh, Josh Gordon, tight end, uh, Delaney Walker, Andrews, two of those guys. Awesome. And conversely, who's kind of going way too high, who's overpriced that you think busts and brings shame to owners this year at each position? Mm. Uh, Quarterback, definitely Andrew Luck with his injury thing going on. Uh, Running back, the Marlon Mack, Derrick Henrys of the world who don't catch targets. Get your exposure to them in DFS when they're favored by eight or more points. Just fade them for redraft. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wide receiver busts. Um, I don't know. I can't really yeah. can't really think of any, but I know there. I know I've got some some in my rankings. I'm sure. Tight end. Um, we've actually we actually ranked tight ends pretty good this year by ADP. I think. I don't know if there's someone who really stands out as. Um, I'm Maybe Joku, like we talked about earlier. Well, Could be sure. Yeah. So yeah, here it's it's Eric Ebron. Oh, okay. It's yeah. Njoku, it's Hooper, it's Hawkinson, basically everyone between that that Vance and Delaney tier. Yeah, so you're cutting that like right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Just you. Don't I'm want with any my of guy that. right there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so in 2017, it was Kamara. Connor was last year, and the, almost every year, there's just a player that comes after round 10 and just blows up and is a league winner. Do you have any predictions who could do that in 2019? Um, I know Chase Edmonds, you know, needs to be owned in all leagues because he, he just has the same upside that that Connor had last year or mm-hmm. very similar. Um, you know, maybe Ty Montgomery is another guy like that, but those are handcuffs, you know, not very exciting. Uh, Albert Wilson is a wide receiver who I, I think if he gets healthy, sees the workload he deserves, he could he could blow up, you know, Josh Gordon in those rounds for sure. Um you mentioned uh, Darwin Thompson, who's one of my favorite Darwin ones, Thompson, too. Darwin you know, thank that you. That backfield, so valuable. I'm, basically, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm going to do a sleepers article in, in like a week or so. So check that out. I'm, I'm much better on paper than I am off the top of my uh, head. Hey, got you. No, I appreciate it. It'll be a fantastic one. And these are more just kind of like culture side of things. I don't know if you don't have an answer to them. is no problem. But the first one would be, have you ever seen a really funny last place punishment or side bet or either been part of it even? Uh, anything of that nature before? Um, 
No, but I did a Reddit AMA recently where they asked for uh, what they should do for their last place punishment, and I just like didn't have a good answer. And he responded, "It's like, oh, it's okay. I think we know what we're gonna go with. We're gonna <laughs> send this guy to Hooters wearing a bikini, and he's he's gonna uh, ask for a job." Oh and, my and, god! And bonus and and like demand a job from the manager and like bonus points if he like rants about the patriarchy if the guy <laughs> turns him away uh, uh, or gender politics or whatever. I thought that was pretty funny. That, that's a great one. I've never heard that one before. That's hilarious. And then, what do you think's the the worst fantasy sin an owner can commit? Um, drafting kickers defenses too early. You know, uh, drafting the quarterback in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, someone drafted Kareem Hunt in my girlfriend's league this year in the first round. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> Todd Gurley went third overall. Uh, so, you know, don't draft off of, off of outdated draft guides. You know, pay mm. attention. Um, that's about it. Gotcha. Not following me on Twitter. How about that? I think that's a huge sin if you don't follow Scott Barrett. Where and great segue. Where can they find you, Scott? At Scott Barrett DFB. Absolutely, it's a, always loaded with great nuggets. All his articles and his. I, I think you, I don't know if it's still pinned at the top, but you had some tweet where you had all your articles that are not uh, behind mm-hmm. a paywall. Uh, read them all. I've read them all. They're all fantastic. I cite a ton of it uh, in, in almost every article I do, and that's why I was so thrilled to have you on. Is because there's not too many experts I really read and learn from. I feel like I, I know my stuff for the most part, but every time I read something by you, I pick up a new stat or a new nugget that just enlightens a lot. So I really appreciate the, the chance to have some fantasy banner and, and have you on here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and when this podcast drops, uh, I'll probably retweet it. So just in case there's there's people who know me and, and don't know you, just want to say love doing your show. I always have a blast. You're a fantastic podcaster. You always give out good analysis. I know you used to like creep up in my start-sit uh, threads, and you I, I would agree with like 90. Didn't want to answer any of that, but but you were giving out great advice, and I agreed with like 90% of it. Uh, so I'm a big fan of yours as well. Uh, thanks a lot, man. That that means a lot. I really, really appreciate that. And thanks. You're very generous for your time. I asked for 30 minutes. You gave me almost 50. So I, I can't thank you enough. This was fantastic. Thanks, Scott. Let's do it again during the season. I would love to. That, that'd be awesome. Thanks, man. All right. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. Wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.